season. Bill Murray gets the school. I'm going to be visited by three ghosts. A ghost? Welcome back to Old Millennials Remember Movies. I'm your host, Angelo Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hi, everybody. That was a little uh, TV spot from, in case you couldn't quite hear it, in that uh, scratchy TV spot video, Scrooged. With Bill Murray. With Bill Murray. It's the first of our holiday episodes here. Holiday. It's December. It is. We're going to do some Christmas movies. We're going to do a few Christmas movies. We started off with a real winner. Uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. (laughs) Um, before we talk about that, uh-huh. what have you been watching recently, Tyler? Well, we could talk about... Uh, and are you drinking that coffee as loudly as possible? Yeah, I was just having a little sip. I could do it a little bit louder if you want me to. Here, try. That's what it sounded like to me. It's gross. <laughs> Apologies, people. All right. So I uh, forced you into a little bit of a summer movie catch-up. A couple movies that you had did not see uh, in the theater. Mm-hmm. One of them was Deadpool 2, which I think I talked about on the previous episode. Maybe not. Uh, what did you think of Deadpool 2? I love me some Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Even with a scarred up, burnt up, old, crispy uh, Deadpool face. He does have that the entire movie, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's his character. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It's super forgettable, but it's very fun and enjoyable to watch. Even right now, I'm like, what happened in that movie? <laughs> right. Um, I do remember the beginning because as we were watching it, you were like, complain, complain, complain. This the mo- this beginning of this movie is stupid. Blah, 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 It blah. starts off horribly in which it, like, kills off the female lead from the first movie. And not in a... They're, they're, think, they're thinking they're being shocking, but they are really just falling into a really lame trope. And it's just as lazy to me. And it when I saw it in the theater, it really kind of... It took me a good half hour to kind of just get over it while watching it. And then... You know, it's a it's fine. It's an entertaining movie. There's a few really good spots. The CGI is still not good. It has a much bigger budget than the first one, but uh, watching it at home, I don't know. It was some of it's rough still. Yeah, the beginning didn't bother me like it bothered you. Yeah, well, it's because it's I don't know. It's just it's just an old a, 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 a lame trope to like get her out of the way for the movie, and I just don't like that. One of my uh, coworkers said uh, she didn't mind the beginning because she thought that that lady was annoying. But. It's just, well, whatever. I just think that that's not a a good way of going about it. I mean, if you're going to do a sequel, especially Daredevil, not Daredevil, I keep saying Daredevil today for some reason when we talk about it. Because you've been talking about Daredevil getting canceled from Netflix so so they could have a Christmas Prince. Yeah, Christmas Prince 2. Christmas Prince 2. We could talk about that if you want. We can keep that movie, but fuck you, Daredevil, you're getting the boot. That's my joke. Not even a joke. It's just a, it's just a, it's, it's an just irritating a, thing about what's going on. It's just uh, a sad reality of Netflix. No, I just think that Deadpool two, if it's a, a movie that's already like winking at the audience and breaking the fourth wall, there's a better way of doing that trope. Now, the end of the movie does kind of fix it a little bit, which I appreciate, and it's easily the best thing in the movie. I, I'm not I'm not gonna dog on it. It's an okay movie. It's fine. It's entertaining. I am curious about uh, Once Upon a Deadpool, which is like the PG-13 cut they inserted Fred Savage into. Not curious enough to go to the theater and see it again, but just be curious to see what those scenes are. Maybe they'll throw it on another DVD or put it on YouTube for us later. Yeah, like, can this be a good movie without the rated R jokes? I think it can, because I don't necessarily think, like, the violence, the, the graphic violence and 
the curse words are necessarily the reason why it's funny. I think there's probably enough in there that's solid. It's I, okay. It's I did fine. really like the boy who was in that one movie we liked. He's from, it's Julian Dennison. He's from Hunt for the Wilder People, a movie that I really like from, well, it's been two years already. Set in New Zealand? Yeah, and Sam Neill is in that with him, and it's a Taika Waititi's movie. Is, it, is that a Taika yes. Waititi? Yeah, yes. and he yes. before he made Thor Ragnarok. So, yep. uh, yeah, that's a really good movie. I think it might still be on Hulu if people want to watch it. Um, what was it called again? Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, not a great name for a movie, kind of hard to remember, but a really good movie. Fits the name of the movie, too. Hunt for the Wilder People. Once you see the movie. I mean, sure, but it's hard to remember for some reason yeah. in my head. I, I like that movie quite a bit. Um, so if you liked that boy in He's a little bit older. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's good in it. So you enjoyed that one a little bit more than the other one, the catch-up movie. And I, listen, you knew it was uh, going to be bad because I listen, told you it was bad. listen. First of all, I've been trying to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, you tricked me on Friday night and uh-huh. you were like, hey, hey, hey. You could tell I was like him hawing around cooking some dinner for us. Because I was out and I could have got us some sandwiches when and I was out. And I was like, out. no, let's eat healthy. Mm-hmm. I'll make us some yummy chicken curry or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you were all, hey, hey, hey. How but about? You're skipping a part where you're oh, like, am I? you're like, oh, I'm not going to make, uh, I'm not going to make that. I'm too tired. I think I said, I just won't eat dinner tonight. Yeah. And I was like, that's, I was out. I could have gotten myself something to eat. So then you go, hey, 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 how about we watch uh, that Jurassic Park movie or Jurassic World? You probably got the title correct. I'm pretty sure what I said first was just got paid Friday night. It's true. It was payday. Yeah. And then I was like, let's get some pizza and some alcohol and watch this terrible Jurassic Park movie. And you tricked me because those are all my trigger words and I'm in. Which one? Trick? Uh, Jurassic Park terrible? Is that the part? Uh, pizza, oh, pizza. Alcohol. Uh, shitty movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was on Black Friday. It was a $4 DVD. I, re- I have all the other uh, Jurassic Park movies on Blu-ray, including Jurassic World. And I thought, well, this is a terrible movie, but for $4, it's like a rental. I might as well pick it up. Plus, it's a fascinatingly bad movie. I, I, you were, when I saw it in the theater, we have an episode where we talked about this, but mm-hmm. the audio, it was the Lost World episode. Mm-hmm. Audio's not great, so maybe just listen to us now. But, uh, you know, the, the, the movie itself is, is so bad in a, in a, in a fascinating way, in a way that was tough for me to describe. I said, I'm not going to tell you why it's bad necessarily. I think it's something you're going to have to see for yourself down the road on video. And sure enough, I, I think that that is true. It's true. Looking back, though, it, I thought you were going to reveal something major to me. Like, oh, there's something in this movie that happens. And I thought it was going to be like actual something. There is no actual something. There's a lot of little something. There's a lot of ridiculous things that go on in this yeah. movie. And they should have called it Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom. Mm-mm. Should have been called The Jurassic Mansion. Yep. Well, yeah, it's like first the first forty five minutes. I wouldn't necessarily say are good, but at least it's a Jurassic Park movie. Like they've they've you know they go to the island, and, and you know I get it. They're like, well, we've done this five times. Like maybe we should do something different. And so they give you the volcano. maybe they should have thought about that before they rebooted the Jurassic Park franchise. Good point. Uh, but they they probably could have also just like spent a few more minutes in the development of this movie, thinking like, okay, what are we gonna do after we blow up the island? Hmm, let's go to a mm. mansion and auction off dinosaurs and have a girl. That's uh, well, that's a that's a spoiler worth just discovering. Is for that yourself. the spoiler that you were? Kind yeah, it's of just talking such about? a stupid thing. You know what's funny is just uh, two seconds ago when I was talking about the somethings, mm-hmm. I had already forgotten that one. Right. And I, you know, let's listen. I'll. I'll 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 say this again. Movie the opening uh, is is fun. I think the volcano stuff, while we're kind of silly and crazy, is fun. And then there's a sequence where uh, the two main characters, Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, have to like get some blood off a T Rex in a cage. And I think that scene works really well because it's like an animatronic dinosaur head. And you got to do it. I I can't. 
can't reach. You're gonna have to climb up there. Oh, I'm not. No, no, I'm not gonna climb up there. You'll be okay. It's like riding a bull. Riding a bull? I didn't grow up in a rodeo or wherever you came from. She's asleep now. I can't say that. She's gonna be asleep a minute from now. So get up. Oh my gosh, she stinks. Good job. You're making this look totally normal. I like that. I think the director, J.A. Bayona, is, is he's a much more visually uh, capable director than uh, Colin Trevorrow, so there's some cool shots in the movie a lot of it's just aping jurassic park of course mm-hmm. um but you know at least there's a he's got a point of view but the script is just one of the dumbest scripts it's garbage <laughs> Ooh, it's bad and it, it it's it's fascinatingly bad but it's it's also just like not i could see a scenario where this movie works as like kind of a campy fun b movie but i don't think the movie's in on its joke no and there are only like three lines where chris pratt got to be like chris pratt where I was like, ha, 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 that's Chris Well, Pratt. they had a problem, like, because in the first Jurassic World, people had a problem with kind of his chauvinist attitude and that, that whole dynamic between him and Bryce Dallas Howard. So they toned it down in this movie, which was probably smart, but then they forgot to, like, give him anything else to do, really. Mm-hmm. They gave neither of them really anything to do, which they I... They were like cardboard boxes. I, I like both those actors quite a bit. I actually like them in the first movie. I think even despite the problematic nature of the relationship, they do have a little bit of chemistry in that movie. Whereas in this one, they do have, they have nothing. There's nothing going on in this movie. Yeah. So when you're following them and then all the other characters are terrible, you have the Donald Trump auctioneer character, which is just ridiculous. It's weird. And then you have a uh, Bugs Bunny, uh, super Raptor, which I, that was, I mean, I love that, but that, it's that so bad. on the line of fantastic and fucking horrible. There's just so many shots of the new super rapper that just kind of goes, ain't I a stinker? Gosh, ain't I a stinker? kind of grins almost he does grin it's almost where if the movie leaned into more of that i could get on board with it like if it was sillier i'm saying if you're gonna make a bad because i think like the the jurassic park 3 is the one that everybody doesn't like that's really short and but it's kind of like campy in its own like it knows what it is a little bit i think i wish this movie kind of knew more of if you're gonna go this crazy with your premise then you gotta lean into it i think this movie was dumb. It was bad. <laughs> and the ending was super dumb. Oh, the ending's terrible. Like, the last part ending, like... Uh, it was bad. It's fucking bad. And then, you know, you got... So bad. Jeff Goldblum's in more of the bonus features on the DVD than he is in the actual movie. So that's fun. <laughs> and you purchased this, and now we own the physical Four DVD. Hours. Well, Jurassic Park, all-time favorite movie. Love the franchise in general. We'll go to the new next one whenever that happens. So I don't feel that bad about owning it. But it was also it was only $4. So what are you going to do? So you caught up on those. What did I see? Uh, you saw a movie you'd been looking forward to for months. False. Called <laughs> Green Book. Okay, so we don't live in a big metropolitan area. We This is Oscar season. This is the time where all these great movies are coming out, and you get excited because everybody's talking about these great movies that are playing in New York and L.A. and Chicago, and we don't have access to these. So anytime any of these movies come a little bit earlier than you expect – I'm like, well, I gotta go see this movie because it might be like end of the year quality top 10 stuff. And listen, Green Book, uh, this has got great reviews. It's got, uh, people that see it, the audiences that go see it, they love it. I saw the trailer for this thing and I did not want to see it from the trailer. 
because it's so schmaltzy and so like this is a magical driving Miss Daisy role reversal. Driving uh, it's Miss just Daisy. so ugh. The trailer not good, but the reviews are uh, the Moonlight guy is supposed to be great. Viggo Morton's supposed to be great. You know, like great. We're, this is supposed to be good. Like the trailer's bad, right? And I'm sitting through this movie, and uh, yeah, no, I just I can't handle it. It is frustrating to watch to me like i and okay so maybe it's because they say this is a crowd pleaser it work plays well with an audience well i saw it in a movie theater full of like five people Mm -hmm. so there wasn't a lot of like like the lot the laugh lines weren't like hitting because there wasn't like people in there laughing and if i'm not like some you know some comedy like if there's a lot of laughter going on i think deadpool 2 is a great example of this like some of the stuff in deadpool 2 in the theater it was full when i saw it People are laughing even though you're just like, this is a flimsy joke. Not great. Mm-hmm. But, like, people are having a good time. They're wanting to lean in and laugh, right? Mm-hmm. This movie, like, needs that too. But it's just like there was no one in the theater. So I just was not feeling it. And I was just like, nope, not this is not for me. And the race stuff is just so dated and simplistic. And it turns the Vigo Mortensen character, who's the least interesting character in the movie, into uh, repeated situations where he's kind of set up to be, like, the hero. Or the one who's got to learn the lesson. Or the one who you know that we need to follow and because it was written by the real life guys like son for one like the perspective's mm. all wrong oh yeah it tries to do a thing at the end with christmas there's christmas factors into the end and i like that i like how you can kind of because look when it comes to christmas stuff you can you can kind of lean into your schmaltz and get away with it more mm-hmm. there's just a little bit of that leniency there and i was like all right i could see how people are liking this ending this is working right and i think there's an opportunity for the movie i don't want to like get into it but there's an opportunity for the movie to kind of end on the right note like what i think should be done between these two characters and it doesn't do that it does the opposite and i found that really frustrating and then it's like this feel good line at the end i'm just like this is garbage like this whole movie doesn't uh doesn't understand what it's preaching at mm-hmm. all. And it's unintentionally kind of not – it's trying to, like, say, like, we can get over racism, but it's a far simplistic way of going about it. And I don't think it really helps anything. And it's a movie that, I don't know, certain people, if you don't see a lot of movies, are just, like, might feel good about it. But, like, this year, like, if you can go see, like, The Hate You Give or Black Klansmen, movies that, like, deal with race or the Sorry to Bother You, like, movies that deal with race a little bit more – thoughtfully and like in and kind of showing it in its the way it is which is complex and hard and difficult like i don't know i'm just more interested in that movie and i think those movies are far better but this one will get a best picture nomination so yay who wrote this movie this is um co-written so it's the director's peter fairley who is one of the fairley brothers the guys who made dumb and dumber so he is directing it he's a co-writer on it and also the son of the vigo mortensen's character uh well, co-wrote the script so that explains partially why the movie. Yeah, from like his I want to make a comment, but Mahershala Ali, who guy who won uh, the Oscar for Moonlight, he is really good in the movie. But he's like he's far more his character is so much more interesting. He's got like there's inner turmoil going on there. There's I thought that's who the movie was about. It's about Viggo Mortensen. He's uh. in it a lot. I mean, he's the he's the second lead, but. It's never from his perspective, even when there's situations that's where fucking obnoxious. Even when there's situations because that's where, not how the trailer made it seem you get some of him but every time there's an opportunity to kind of see things from his perspective it goes back to the vigo mortensen character and i just think that that doesn't just more of the white man telling the story it's weird and i don't it doesn't i don't think it's intending to do that it just does it because Vigo mortensen character is the funny one and he's entertaining but i don't know like he's just doing a a stereotype in my opinion 
So I, I missed that one. I don't I, think I'm going to see that one. I didn't like it. It's going to get a Best Picture nomination. Ugh, just deal with it. Get out of here. It's frustrating. Um, can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Was the other movie I saw that night. Uh, it stars Melissa McCarthy in a dramatic role. I do love her. She is um, a writer who is kind of, she's a biographer who's kind of lost business. She's a very she's an asshole. Which I, she's play, this is kind of the most you know how Melissa McCarthy has certain types. She can play crazy or annoying. She can play like mean bitch, super funny. Aggressive. But she's doing this in a more like it's a it's a she's still kind of giving you that. Um, that Melissa McCarthy wit when it comes mm-hmm. to that. But she finds a letter from an old writer and she sells it and then realizes that because she's a, such a, she's a biographer and she's written about these people, she can kind of recreate these letters and then she, count, she makes counterfeit letters and sells them. It's based on a true story. And uh, so that's it's a kind of a, 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 a intriguing piece of uh, just kind of not, – like, not a significant case or anything like that. But from her perspective, it was – she bamboozled a lot of people. And she's got a little friend who's Richard E. Grant. He's very good, and they are they kind of get into the whole thing together. And it's that their performances are good. It's not like amazing. Mm-hmm. I saw it because Melissa McCarthy was getting a little bit of um, Oscar heat. That's kind of died down. Now. I don't know if that's going to happen. Richard E. Grant is a supporting actor. He'll probably get nominated. I'm not real familiar with too much of his work. He's a British guy. He's oh. good in the movie, but I mean, it's good. It's not like rush out. I like Melissa. I like Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. I always like. I don't. I don't understand like this line where we think that it's more important to make dramatic roles, and that's how people like Melissa McCarthy are supposed to get accolades and attention is to kind of lean into like the more dramatic side. When I think it's the stupid. comedy stuff is just as hard, if not it's harder. harder. Comedy is harder, as we'll talk about in today's episode. So she's good though, and I, she's really good in the movie, and I I'd be intrigued to see more of that side mm-hmm. of her, especially since some of her comedies are have been very hit and miss. Uh, you know, you have to use her... Not everybody understands how to use Melissa McCarthy well. She's she's like an energy. Is, it goes with a lot of those, like... Comedians. Comedians with big presence. Big presence, big... Lots of talent, right? You have to almost... You have to contain it a little bit. And mm-hmm. at least when you're making a movie. Like, she's one of those types. I think... You, 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 the Williams line like, into obnoxious is very thin. It, you, can, you can teeter that way, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like Steve Carell in The Office, Michael Scott... You could always tell where a writer was struggling to, like, ride that line. It's great, 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 great. But if you cross the line, it turns into, like, irritating. And yep. it's a tough thing to balance. And so if you don't have the good writing back, it, like, The Office, for the most part, has great writing to kind of back that. But, you know, there's some episodes and then there's mm-hmm. some stuff that happens later. You're just like, they, they didn't know what they're doing. Same mm-hmm. thing with Melissa McCarthy. So, uh, yeah, no, that's what I got. It's probably good, right? That's probably good. Yeah. yeah. We can talk about it anymore. So, uh... The movies uh, we watched recently were uh, Deadpool, Tool, Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2. I recommend it. Yeah. If you liked the first one, you'll yeah. like the second one. Yeah. Okay. Like, see it. Okay. What? Fine. You do get to see Ryan Reynolds without a Bernie face. For like this... a second. Yeah. Does he take his shirt off in this movie? It's all burned up if he did. But, no, uh, I feel like it's at the it's at a, it's in a scene when he doesn't have his burned up face and he's got a find, sweet six pack. You could find that in so many movies, right? Well, I thought you were gonna say you could around. find that on the internet. Well, you probably could. <laughs> that and more. You could probably get a poster printed out of just yeah. his abs if you want. We talked about Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, which I don't recommend. You know that Ryan Reynolds, he's married to uh, Blake Lively, right? Yeah, he used to be married to like Alanis Morissette. They're like Canadians together. Is that true? Yeah. Are you making that up? No, that sounds like it's a true thing. Ah, jeez. 
Yeah. You know, Blake Lively is a sister to Robin Lively, who starred in a little movie called Teen Witch. I highly recommend that movie. Which, uh, go back and watch that episode of Old Millennials Remember Go back movies. and watch that movie. Who, I don't even care if people listen to our episode. They just need to see that movie a thousand times. You do. You need that in your life. Yep. Um, and then we talked about Green Book, which you definitely don't recommend. No. And Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is like, if it's on TV, watch it. It's a mild recommend. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So we are going to talk about a sweet little movie that you chose for this beautiful holiday season called Scrooged with Bill Murray. Uh-huh. Before I get into the high stats, what do you remember? So before each movie, we old millennials sit down and write down for 30 seconds what we remember about the movie without cheating, without going on IMDb, although I'm always convinced that Tyler has gone online and looked, or recently looked, oh. but he's just got a much better memory than I do. So what do you remember about... Should I go first? If I'm going to go first. Go ahead. Mine is so bad. It's Okay. You always say that, but I think you should always emphasize the part where we're like, we only give ourselves like 30 seconds to 30 do this. seconds. We're not trying to like do a full outline of the movie. What's or... funny is it's so funny, this experience I always have with all these movies that I've seen. It's like, I don't remember. And then as soon as it starts going, all the memories are there. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. Sure. The brain. It's a weird thing. Yeah. So what do I remember? Uh, here's what I wrote. Honestly, not much. Other than this is a Bill Murray version of The Christmas Carol with some ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Does he fall in love with Andy McDowell in this one? I think so. False. <laughs> <laughs> There's an Andy McDowell-ish character. You're confusing that with a good Bill Murray movie. With a great... One of the classics, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I'll have to go back and watch it soon. Don't worry. It's Should we great. watch it for Groundhog's Day this year? Or is it too much pressure? A little on the nose, don't you think? It's also, yeah, it's one of these, okay, so uh, we, we've we talked about this. I've, I think in several episodes I've mentioned, like, how Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. Well, you would say, like, isn't this a movie about doing memories from, like, 80s and 90s movies? Why don't you do a Jurassic Park episode? And my answer to that is, we'll do one eventually, maybe, but we're we're still, what episode is this, like, 20-something? We're like little toddlers. We're we don't want to We don't want to fuck up our favorites. You don't want to run before you cr- crawl, walk, something. We don't want to fuck up our favorites. Right. Gotcha. So, what do you remember about Scrooge? Well, I wrote, uh, it's the 900th iteration of A Christmas Carol. Only this one is a grimy, very 80s version with Bill Murray forgetting the lovable part of his lovable asshole movie persona. He runs a network, and their shows are terrible, and he gets visited by some annoying ghosts. Luckily, Marion Ravenwood is here to try to help him stop being such a dick. Do I like this movie? I feel like I ask myself that question every time I watch it. You're so accurate. I can't believe you. On all points, firing on all cylinders right there. Yeah, I've got feelings about this movie because... you got feelings? It, I would describe it as feelings because I love Bill Murray. I love Bill Murray in everything, pretty much. He's good. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not only funny, but he's a good actor, and I just like seeing him. I struggle with this movie. <laughs> I struggle a lot with this movie. I, uh, think, uh... I like some aspects of his performance, but... I think it's the things that are around him that really derail it. Totally. We're going to dig into that right after High Stats. Great. High Stats. High Stats. The movie's called Scrooged. Correct. Based on whatever. Charles Dickens. <laughs> Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. You got that? <laughs> Woo-wee. Came out in 1988. Mm-hmm. What was it rated? PG-13. PG-13. Where's the 13 come from? Uh, Probably the language... Uh, the random slapstick violence. Probably. 
is an hour and 41 minutes. An excruciating hour and 41 minutes, but we can get there. <laughs> uh, came out in no, on November 23rd, 1988. I was five years old. You yeah. were four and a half years old. Okay. If you're doing your math there, I'm a little bit older than uh, than you, Tyler. Yep. Good job. What a good revel- job. what a revelation. How what was the box office? The box office. Um, the budget was thirty million. Thirty two million. Yeah, that's high for this. Uh, U.S. gross was twenty five. Sixty million. Yeah, Bill Murray is still a big star. This was a movie he had not made a movie in a while. He had taken four years off from making Ghostbusters. Okay, yeah. He had taken a big break. He like he walked away. He wasn't like in Hollywood. And this was the project that lured him back. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like, from what I've read on the internet, right. that he wasn't too pleased about being lured back for this particular script. Well, to be fair, Bill Murray is rarely pleased with his movie. It seems like it. He, he's got stories... Across several of his movies in which he's not happy with mm. the way they've turned out. He, I mean, even have fought with Harold Ramis forever uh, after Groundhog Day, uh, you know, which is a classic, one of his best movies. And their relationship was so uh, damaged from that and, and working together that, I mean, he they held that until, I mean, a little before Harold Ramis died. So it's a frequent story with Bill Murray. I think, obviously, he's such a talent in terms of just uh, comedy that but he he's probably not. feels a lot of con- want, he has a lot of ownership, I'm sure, of, of what he wants to do and what he wants to accomplish. And I get the sense in this movie, especially, that he did not have ownership. He says that in an interview back in 1990 with uh, Roger Ebert, he said that Scrooge could have been a really, really great movie. The script was so good. The director kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. The director is Richard Donner, who made Superman. And he made Lethal Weapon, and he probably, I think he made this movie in between some Lethal Weapon installments. And I would say that that's probably not, you know, blockbuster action director approaching a comedy version of A Christmas Carol, which kind of depends on nuance and emotion and believing this character's transformation. Probably not the best match in terms of material, director, and star. Yeah, and to work with... um... A comedian like Bill Murray who ad-libs like a common day whoever common day ad-libber comedians are. <laughs> like Let's say Will Seth Farrell. Rogen or Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So I if you're not saying. used to like directing that kind of comedian, I think it, that could be really challenging. It would be very tough. And so, yeah, you have this – first of all, this was not well received when it came out, uh, at least not critically – and then it seems like it's grown in some popularity. So, it, you know, if you like this movie, that's great. Like, we're not, I don't want to necessarily say, like, you shouldn't like it or it's bad. Or I just think personally that it doesn't, like, the com- comedic aspects of it, Bill Murray being funny, which he's funny in spots in this movie, sure, doesn't match what's going on screen. Like, it just feels like two very separate things. And it's not in the way that, I think the good comparison here is like the next movie he made or close to is what Ghostbusters 2, a movie that is also not good, but for whatever reason, to me, feels enough like Ghostbusters, so I still enjoy it because I was a kid seeing it. See, I saw this pretty young too. I don't have a specific memory of when I saw it, but I don't know. I've always felt weird about this movie. Like, I think I like it, and then I think I don't like it, and I go through this thing every time I watch it. I feel like I'm still going through that. Right. I'm like, did I like it? No, I did not like it. <laughs> but, and then I'll watch some clips or read some quotes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was funny. 
yeah, you played a couple of YouTube clips when which were like, oh, that, that's a funny line. Mm-hmm. But watching it this time, I, I mean, I think I would have to land on this this screening of it saying I don't like this movie. <laughs> like I, there was too much of it that yeah. I was struggling with. And there were things that I've always struggled with, but it was worse this time and felt longer. And I felt like more of a slog to get to the things that I like in it. Um, so it's troubling. I, you know, starts great. You got some great Danny Elfman scale, uh, yeah. score to really start off the, the movie. Um, I like this network, uh, that Bill Murray runs. It's a very, like, it's a very eighties. <laughs> You've got actors and lots of cameos here of people that were kind of popular there, he's an exec who's screen, staging a live extravagant. I think they say like forty million dollar production of a That's Christmas right. story. Forty million dollars. That's a huge amount of money. More than it took to make this current movie. Yeah, more than that, and then like way more than what they spend on like modern day when they do these live, like when they do Grease or one of these like live shows or Jesus Christ Superstar, which I watched and thought was okay. Uh, like it's they spend more money, uh, like way more money than they on this old one. Than I mean, and you know, you look watching, you don't know why. Like it's just a set of uh, a Dickens era set. There's like special appearances and all this. Buddy Hackett is is he Buddy Hackett the screw? He's playing Ebenezer Scrooge. You've got uh, Mary Lou Retton uh, in there. There's other cameos throughout this thing. Paul Schaefer and Miles Davis are just on the street as musicians. There's it's just loaded. Uh, but I like the beginning where you get these, like, other programs, a little bit of these other shows that are on the network, including, like, a Robert Goulet Cajun Christmas, which to me is very, like, I thought that was funny, and it just makes me think, of course, of, like, the Will Ferrell uh, Goulet on SNL, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean... Yeah. This I, movie has so many funny pieces or moments, but as right. a whole movie, ugh. And then, like, that opening scene, in the in, it's, like, it's just because we've done RoboCop on this episode. Yes. Like, just watching that opening scene in this uh, boardroom, it, it made me feel like, oh, man, there's a giant robot's going to come and storm in and, like, blow somebody away. Like, Bobcat Goldthwait's going to get <laughs> shot out a window or something like that as this was going on. Because it just feels like it just goes right in with that, uh, that, that, you're jingling, you're, what's going on over here? Oh, Tyler, as we're talking about boardrooms, I'd like to welcome you to Tea Time with Tyler. Coming on early in this episode, oh, I'm yeah. clearly super tired. So, Tea Time with Tyler, would you like a spot of tea? Well, I have some coffee today, so I don't know if so, I'll have some tea. I know, you're slurping it quite distinctly. So, Tea Time with Tyler is the time where I refill my mug, which has two tea bags. One is uh, peppermint tea, mm-hmm. and one is green tea. Oh, it's festive for the holidays, it's, peppermint. It's a... Nah, I don't know if I'd call it that, but sure. <laughs> I don't know why, like, peppermint has, anyway, has the whole play on holiday. Because it's flavor. always like they they add a peppermint mocha to your holiday, to your coffee shop. I think it's because of candy canes, Tyler. They call it peppermint mocha when you go to a lot of places. You go to the McDonald's drive-thru, they're pushing you a peppermint mocha. Well, where does the, why is that a holiday thing? This is the, the candy, candy cane. canes, Tyler. Are you denying that you don't have peppermint in your your fucking tea here? What are we like talking candy about? Canes, though. Well, because you got it in green tea. Okay, I don't know how to get into this. So, Tyler, <laughs> name some famous boardroom scenes. By the time I finish filling up my tea, famous boardroom scenes like uh, Network, uh, that big one at the end of there, uh, the Hudsucker Proxy, RoboCop, uh, Chairman of the Board with Carrot Top probably has a board boardroom scene. <laughs> Uh, the movie Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg. Is it Eddie or was the one where she turns into a white person executive? I don't think that's Eddie. That's the basketball one. That one's called The Exec or The Boss or something like that. I don't know. I bet you that Melissa McCarthy movie The Boss is a boardroom scene. Uh, <laughs> you forgot one of my favorites. Which one's that? Dogma. 
Oh, dogma. Whoa, yeah, that's a. I mean, that scene is not one of my favorite scenes. Yikes! But uh, it's like, like that like RoboCop movie. scene, really. Yeah. You get you get some good uh, Maddie Damon uh, action in that uh, yeah. dog room, dogma one, dog room. That'd be weird. Dog room. That's good job, movie. Tyler. Movie. I think you do better with coffee at nighttime. Maybe. You're firing. No, I just you don't even know what I couldn't even come up with that Whoopi Goldberg movie. Yeah, I don't know what you're And I'm just about. guessing. I would just assume that there's a boardroom scene oh, in that. You're a cheater. There's a, in that trailer for What Men Want, Taraji P. Henson catches a football uh, in a boardroom. Got That's him. another reference. I saw that. Yeah, it was a trailer for What Men Want. Not What Women Want. What Not want. What Women Want? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what I think of Mel Gibson saying. What women want? Sugar tits. Nah, nah, nah. <gasps> that's what he said. <laughs> that's what he said in the movie. No, but he's a bad. You know, we don't like Mel Gibson now. Speaking he's of what people guy. said, uh, what did Roger say? Roger Ebert, you know I'm... that critic. What did Roger say? Hey. We're doing that segment right after the tea time with Tyler. You're blowing all your segments. You're blowing your load. <laughs> Whoa, mom listens to this episode, Tyler. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How many stars did Roger Ebert give Scrooge? I'm going to guess low. <laughs> What's your guess? One and a half stars. Nope. Is it lower? Yes. Oh my God, he hated it. He gave it a solid one. Ooh. He doesn't give very many movies a one star. No, he right. This great is books, the first though. one star movie, I think, that we've, we've uh, covered. Yeah. That we've covered. Uh, that speaks a lot to what we're covering. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. covering some high caliber shit here, well, man. He, he didn't review Three Ninjas, though, did he? He sure, I don't remember. He would have given it four stars, I'm convinced. So we have a special treat from Roger Ebert today. A very difficult to hear, but I'm going to play it anyway, clip. Oh, good. You made me. Because you wanted me to answer the question uh, honestly, you mm-hmm. made me go sing over myself while you. How did you even listen to this clip prior to hearing it? Because I, you made me like hum while you played I did. it. I was like, "Don't listen, you cheater." Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to play just a segment that he is uh, talking in. It's pretty crackly, so sorry about that. But here is Roger Ebert back in 1988. 88. Thank you. No, I didn't like it at all, and I'll tell you why. I felt that I was picking up throughout the movie more of an aura of anger and hostility than I was one of comedy. For example, at the end when Bill Murray gives his long speech about brotherhood and loving each other and the Christmas spirit and the whole cast is behind him, that seemed almost like a frenzied harangue. It seemed like he was protesting too much, that he was pushing it. It didn't have any gentleness or any real warmth in it. It seemed like a guy having a nervous of having a, a Christmas message for us. And throughout the movie, I felt an undercurrent of a lot of anger and high tension throughout this film rather than the humor you'd be looking for. Well, I only found it in the area. So Siskel seemed to have liked it a little bit more. Uh, yeah. I like how he comes in real high. He's like, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> well, that's the dynamic of the show. Yeah. That's what we should do. We should uh, only pick movies where we disagree and then really just fight each other. Slap each other around a little bit, verbally. Speaking of slapping each other around, this movie has a oh. lot of physical slapping. And I was actually reading. Okay, so we have the Christmas... Oh, Jesus. The ghost of Christmas past. Blah, blah, blah. Then we have the ghost of Christmas present. Well, you missed the... Okay. <laughs> do we have to go in order? Can I just jump around? You can jump around, but we need to go back and talk about the the Jacob Marley character a little bit. But go ahead. No, go No, ahead. no. We need to talk oh, about Oh, no. Go this. ahead, Tyler. No, please. I want oh, you to please, talk about you what you want ahead. to talk about. I already forgot now. No. You're talking you about Carol it. Kane. She's playing the ghost of Christmas present. She comes in like a tooth fairy looking lady, all sweet and... Looks like she's going to, and she's got a high-pitched voice, and she seems like she's going to be, like, the gentle ghost or whatever, right? (laughs) 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 No, thank. I'm 
of Christmas present. I had a funny feeling. Uh, why <laughs> did you do that? Sometimes you have to slap them in the face just to get their attention. And if you're trying to think of who Carol Kane is, she plays a little witch lady in The Princess Bride mm-hmm. with, uh, what's his name? Good. Billy, Billy Crystal. Crystal. She's also on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt now. For like over 60 episodes or something like that. Yeah. So if you've seen that, that's who that is. Uh, she's fucking annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah. In this movie. But what I was reading about was uh, she really was smacking him in real life to the point where like it was pissing him off. Yeah. Well, like she really kicked him in the balls, pinched him, flicked his ear. Um, hit him in the face with these little fairy wings in the back. Like, did all of these things. So, I, I mean, every time Ugh. I've seen this, when I say, well, do I like this movie, do I not like this movie, the first thing I come to on, on the column of not liking is this depiction in this stretch of the movie because it is horrible to watch. It is not funny. It no. is just a bunch of, like, aggressive, like, punching. And it's, it's and she's just like, dumb. Ah, just like, voice. It's grating. Oh, it's cr- it crosses that line of to, into irritation it it leaps over that line and we're and, and this is it's trying to be comedic in a way to like do a spin or a darker spin on the story right but like you're walking over these like the movie doesn't work if you keep walking over like these flashbacks flash presents and flash forwards these are the things that are supposed to be impactful for the movie yes if you're crumbling and walking all over it with your cabbie ghost who's very kind of obnoxious as well to be honest just a little bit too too much of a character too big of a presence same this is the the worst version of this uh she's just completely over the top it's just a bunch of do you like seeing bill murray get punched and hit because he's a dick i i don't know like it's just it doesn't work it's not yeah. good humor it it's it, it goes against what you kind of expect from bill murray he's not exactly a a, a slapsticky kind of comedian Chevy Chase, like, if you think about, like, Chevy Chase, he's more of, like, a physical comedian. Like, mm-hmm. you could see that maybe working a little bit better in that reaction if it was a little bit different. Bill Murray doesn't work. It no, doesn't work at all. I at mean, this all. is the guy who is in Ghostbusters. Everybody gets, like, everybody gets marshmallow all over him, and he's got a little on his shoulder, because that's Bill Murray. He's a lovable asshole. Nothing bad ha- You know, like, there's mm-hmm. a there's a way that plays into the Bill Murray image, and this does not work. Yeah. And he, it's just, to me, it's always the part where I almost want to shut the movie off when this segment comes on. I really don't like it. Uh, and it sounds like you didn't like it either. No, it's the worst part of the whole fucking movie. It just goes and goes and goes. So I do want to go back and focus toward the beginning because I think there's some, I think that's where when we think about this movie being kind of funny, some of that, there's a little bit, there's sprinkles of this comedian, this comedic character. Bill Murray's playing, like I said in my little description before, he's like, He's, Bill Murray's great at playing the lovable asshole. Well, this is just an asshole, and then like the the comedy comes in a little bit, but he's not lovable. It's There's not no pleasant. lovable in this character Which at all. I get we're trying I to agree do with Scrooge, Roger Ebert. right? It's trying to be Scrooge, but it's too aggressive. It's too too angry. And then I don't think the and the, the I like some aspects of the ending, but I don't think he's earned in any kind of way. But I do like, um, like I said, I like the network stuff of the fake shows. I like uh, Robert Mitchum as like Bill Murray's boss who wants to like make a show for cats, which I feel like oh we've God, done. Yes, yes. I feel like we have a show. For, we have. Yes, he makes this comment right? where like, oh, we have um, whatever reports saying that animals, dogs, and cats are going to be watching TV more in the next uh, ten, twenty years. So we really need to start developing programming now for them. Yeah, it's I, I kind of like that. It's a little bit of a joke. There's a couple humorous things with. Uh, him deciding to give out a towel versus a, a VCR for mm-hmm. gifts. He doesn't give his own brother, who's played by one of Bill Murray's real brothers, a VCR. But then his uh, uh, assistant, who's played by Alfred Woodard, 
that's notable person in the movie as well. She doesn't really get anything to do though. It's just like a no. She gets to see some of her family life, but again, they're always walking it over yes. with the they're ghosts tr- they doing stuff. They trample all over. It. You don't get any sense of these people at all, and it, it's frustrating. Bobcat Goldthwait is an exec who he fires in that first boardroom scene for suggesting that his. Okay, this is kind of <laughs> this is commercially made for <sighs> for Scrooge. They're making this Christmas Carol version. So the way they're going to sell it is, like, he wants to sell with scare tactics. So the promo they use is just, like, there's domestic terrorism, and they show, like, an airplane blowing up. Like, a freeway killer, which, like, these are things that, like, are not – we don't find this stuff funny now, like, no. in the 80s. I mean, these are things that were happening like, – you know, it's just crazy. And Bobcat is, like, against this, and so he gets fired. And then we get – it's a weird part because if you know anything about Bobcat Goldthwait, you see this guy, and he's – you're just like, what's Bobcat Goldthwait playing this character? And then, of course, he just goes completely deranged at the end, which doesn't really work either. But you, so you get it. But it, uh, yeah, it's just a, a strange movie. And then we get uh, the Jacob Marley. They don't call him Jacob Marley. It's like his old boss that comes in. This is where this again. This is where this movie is tra- leaning too much into that '80s grime. You've got the character. He's played by a famous actor. I can't remember the name now off, off the top of my head. The executive Lou could look it up for me instead of whatever you're doing how dare you what are you talking how dare about you? you're just scrolling the internet what are you doing you're looking at your your uh your twitter or something who are you why are you <laughs> abusing me all of a sudden i was looking up youtube clips okay. you jerk he's played by a guy you're gonna find that out for me lou something i can't think of his name off the top of my head but lou hayward yeah john forsyth john forsyth yeah okay so it's this it's a situation he's dusty He's been he died because he got hit by a golf ball. So there's a mouse coming out of his skull. It, you know, it's like, oh, we're making this big extravagant. 80- it's just everything is so ugly and yucky, gross to me. Yeah, that it, it doesn't make it a darker version it, of it. It, it just makes it dumb, and, and it gross. doesn't doesn't feel. It just sucks the potential comedy out of it too, because we're just like, oh, this is kind of like a Halloween movie or something like that. But it has a, just a strange feel to it um speaking of that gross factor right it was nominated for an academy award for makeup for makeup yeah and it lost to 88 um, beetlejuice oh sure yeah so when i think of beetlejuice i can see where it was kind of trying to do some of that kind of level of yeah i mean gross humor but in it didn't work no, there's definitely more of an edge, uh just a more comedic edge in beetlejuice I'd, i'd say uh that would be a movie we'd probably do mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't, I don't know why it doesn't work here so much. It's just a, it's just a mix-up of tone. And then you have the other big part of this story, which is Karen Allen. I called her Marion oh. Ravenwood in my description. That's she's played Marion Ravenwood in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Fun fact: our oldest daughter's named after Marion Ravenwood because she's a badass character. Well, not in this fucking movie. She's not. No, she's not. And um, yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Karen Allen, in this but maybe movie. not because she's so nothing in this movie. I think we have to talk about it though because it, this Ugh. whole movie depends on her apparent love of the Bill Murray character. I, what is there to even say? They break up at when they're whatever twenty. He comes. I guess I don't know the timeline of this he movie has at this... all. He's got a weird mullet thing. <laughs> Why does he even think about her? So she. He when he has a first incident, he calls her, and she's oh, working at a homeless r- shelter. The phone is ringing when he wakes up out of his right. 
first thing. But so okay. then we only realize we we learn more about her through the ghost of Christmas past that they have this relationship. She calls him Lumpy because they ran into a door. I it's just I don't like the name Lumpy either. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> Lumpy. It's just a weird thing to have in a movie. I don't know. Okay. And, uh, you know, so they have a relationship that we see a little bit of. Uh, she runs a homeless shelter now, and she's just like – I think the idea here is that she's just so kind and wonderful and, and great that she's just always just grinning and smiling big. She's happy to see him even though they've broken up and had this bad relationship. She can clearly see that he's a huge dickhead He's not at changed work. at no. all. He's gotten worse, if Way anything. Way worse than he was before. Oh, yeah. He's not in the past. It seems like he's you know more of a just a normal guy. He's more yes. charming and yeah. Uh, so she sees that, and yet she's just totally okay. I mean, she gets mad at him at one point, but it's not even by with much. It's not. She is quick to be like, "Let's get back together." Oh yeah, I'm right back. I'm here. Let's hug. Let's make out. When he comes back to the homeless shelter, yeah, she like he like kisses her. She's into it. They they have a whole they embrace, and she's just so, like back on board with this character. So... Why? He, sad and desperate and pathetic because the way they break up is so it the the breakup itself is is a strange scene too because it, it's a flash it's part of the christmas past he's playing like a cart like a, a dog character in an animal suit so it's mm-hmm. like, a, like a big barney, like a barney type. type yep right and he is gonna go meet the boss for dinner it's christmas eve and she's like it's christmas eve what are you doing he's like well i gotta meet the boss or whatever which i kind of understand like we, he's never the been boss asked invited him out to dinner he's never been asked and like it's not a big deal. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's something that he just goes about it really poorly. He's like, whatever, we're not doing that. We're going to go do this. And he's a dick about it. But then they're like, well, maybe we should just see other people or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, I'll be by at the place if I get done early. And that's like the parent breakup we have here. It's so nonchalant. It doesn't feel like impactful for either of them, really. Mm-mm. And therefore, this is the thing that he regrets. It Like, it's a strange uh, thing to She does end give on. like a Merry Christmas goodbye. Kind which- of. When it flashes, when he goes back and he's eight or whatever, and he gets a Christmas present from his dad and his veal. mom, the veal, <laughs> who's also his brother, Brian Doyle Murray, mm-hmm. his mom gets up and says, I'm going out. Mm-hmm. And then she says, like, goodbye. Merry Christmas. Now, you, I asked you if you thought that she left. I think that's a scene and they don't te- they don't reveal the whole thing, but I think she, she left permanently. I the mom left permanently. Yeah. And that's where some of his deep-seated uh, problems are. then after that scene, he's just bawling like a baby. He is. And I... So... Like, ha- there's no reason to be crying if there's not something more than what's Well, if his shown. mom's dead and he just misses her, I It suppose. seems like the way she said goodbye... Because she said, like, goodbye. Yeah. Merry I, Christmas. And then, flash forward to the girlfriend, she says, goodbye, Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. I mean, you could be right. I, I just don't I right. think the movie like cares enough to like hit that message home because it's too busy with like the cabbie being See, there. See, that's I think. I think you got distracted because it was like he's literally out on the porch crying. The cabbie's like, "Oh, I told you, Niagara Falls." <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I, like, I can't get... let the moment be. There's no, there's, every time that there's a, a chance to, like, add some real sincerity here, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know. That doesn't register to me because I don't feel like it, it's impactful in itself as a scene. And it doesn't continue that groundwork, really. Um, 
I don't understand why Kate, like they're permanently broken up when he leaves for that dinner. Like there's no no reason why he couldn't he like chooses, make a mistake. He and, chooses work over her. That's and I get that. That's fine, but like it doesn't. It's not enough, really. Permanently though, it's but like he never went back to her. The movie doesn't have any. Even the scene where they're like having a good Christmas together, the previous one where he's really got that big old thick uh, <laughs> mullet thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're. I just find this scene to be strange. The gifts they give each other, like that, we spend time on this scene of all scenes. He gives her some steak knives, and she gives him the Kama Sutra, which comes into a joke later, which is just so dumb. Like, why is this the scene that like is showing their relationship? What what chemistry is here? And this isn't funny. I don't. I don't under like. I don't get it. it doesn't really match what. Their relationship's getting out. They don't have any... There's no chemistry. Karen Allen's just smiling at him and just loving on him for no reason. And Bill Murray's playing... He's just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. They don't, And then they don't share that many scenes together. Even their reconciliation at the end is not... It's it, there's no scene really that she just shows up at the at the the network show yeah and he just like kind of just says like oh get over here or whatever well first she has to abandon those homeless people oh yeah she abandons some homeless people that's the only there's a couple scenes so he sees a home <laughs> you really liked that comment didn't you <laughs> laughing at your own gags I see <laughs> um there's one scene that I thought was a little bit impact oh that's another good makeup scene too like he talks to that homeless person briefly outside the shelter. But see, this doesn't work very well either because the conversation is so short. He gets, he lands and goes to Christmas present and finds that homeless guy like frozen dead in the sewer or whatever. It's good makeup and it's disturbing, and I guess it has an impact on him. But, but it's confusing. Is like, is this real? Is this not real? Is this a? He's talking to him like they've had a longer relationship. It yeah. it, 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 it it stumbles over itself again. Yes. And so you have that, and then you know the ghosts of Christmas future. Uh, you know, he gets, I do kind of like the hystericalness of him, like, freaking out over the stage guy who's, like, uh, the ghost of Christmas future, like, the makeup of, uh, Grim mm-hmm. Reaper, and that turns out not to be the one that is the yeah, one that's going like to get on, him. Yeah, on set, getting into an elevator, just, like, regular life, and then, uh, the Scrooged ghost of whatever actors all dressed up, he gets in the elevator and freaks out. Because he's seeing things, that's, we're yeah. getting a little bit of the, uh... I, I called it when we were watching it, the Venom freak out. I kind of kept, because we just saw yes. Venom. Tom Hardy was freaking out in that lobster tank in Venom. It's kind of that. He like loses his mind in a, in a restaurant where he's seeing things. The waiter starts on fire. All this just grim. It's weird. It's just this weird, big reaction Bill Murray to like grim shit going on. It, mm-hmm. it, I don't, it wasn't funny. It, it's, it's strange. It's yeah. just this, a, a strange thing to, it's more macabre. Is that the right way to say that word? I don't know. Um, then, like, The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is, like, you know, about Halloween characters at Christmas. This mm-hmm. one seems darker mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. And then, yeah, you have a whole... None of the, Like, there's so many subplots that don't go anywhere, really. You've got an exec who's kind of after his job, but that he doesn't really seem like that bad of a guy, honestly. No. He's just like, <laughs> hey, this is a lot of work. I'm here really to help you out and team up with you. And he's very, very respectful and friendly yeah i mean and if you're and listen if you're trying to get like a, a better job or like move up the ranks like being like a guy who can get things done is not like the wrong way of going back he's not like undercutting him necessarily no, it is the exact way you do things is you'd be helpful if anything he's being nicer to the crew <laughs> yes he's nicer to the crew he's doing a good job of actually paying attention to well he gets punished um yeah, and then and then yeah bobcat goldthwaite has gotten drunk and is losing his mind but this is only a couple moments before he just shows up with a shotgun i hate this character that's <laughs> another reason i hate this fucking movie you're not a bobcat goldthwaite fan huh not in this movie 
I don't know if I've seen him in any other movies. Uh, well, there's one that I, we're going to do. That I, there's like a Bobcat Goldthwait movie that I grew up with uh, called Academy? One Crazy Summer. No. Oh, but right. so that, I mean, we can really dig into the, 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 the legend of Bobcat Goldthwait. I don't like it. I don't like his voice. I don't like his face. I don't like the, what yeah. the story did with his Very character. Very 80s. It's like the, you know, I, I wouldn't equate him to Carrot Top. I think he's way better than that. But, you know, it's got a thing. He's a director now and he's made a lot of like genre, uh, movies. And he's kind of reestablished himself that way, which is pretty cool. And he made like even like a kind of a good Bob, uh, Bigfoot movie. So anyway, like, but yeah, no, he, he, so we're supposed to like think that this guy is in the right for coming up to work and like trying to shoot him yeah. to the point where like he's, we, we were told that he gets his job back or I don't know, who knows if he actually does, but no, this guy's insane. Like even if you fired a guy, I don't know if we should be like rewarding the guy who comes with a shotgun trying to murder no. you. Maybe just like that guy's deranged needs to get some psychological help. That doesn't work. And, um, the big moment. So this is the other thing. Like, I don't think he doesn't seem to, to get much out of ghosts of Christmas past and present. And I know that he's supposed to like build as it goes. Right. I feel like he got a little a bit, lot, a lot out of Christmas past. But he was a huge dick when he got back. He just decided to double down on his dickishness. That's true. He tried to go reconcile with Karen Allen, but then is still a dick. Like, he doesn't change. He wants to, like, make things better because yeah. he doesn't want the other ghost to show up and ruin his life. But he doesn't care. But then it's like this random scene of it, the ghost of Christmas future. He's dead and he's getting put into an incinerator. And this is, like, the big moment for him. For some reason, like, seeing him getting burned up in an incinerator, who's only got his brother and his wife there, who's Wendy Malick uh, from, like, is that News Radio? What show is she on? Yeah. Uh, mm, is it the other one? Mm-hmm. Suddenly Susan? No, no. Nope. The uh, Caroline in the City? Nope. The Just one... shoot me. Just there shoot me with what's later. his name? David Spade. I there got it. There you go. Well, and then there's other, uh, uh, Mimi from the Drew Carey show is like a nurse earlier in the movie too. Yeah. I cared more about those cameos than like the eighties cameos. I was like, Hey, it's Mimi from uh Drew Carey show. Um, but yeah, that, that's the scene that gets him to like change his ways of seeing him getting, I, I don't know. Is it because he's alone or is it just cause he doesn't want to die? Like, I don't, it doesn't land. It doesn't land the way that. It no, lands in, like, shows, the real Christmas carol. It shows a scene with uh, Marion Ravenwood, and she's wearing all this makeup, and she has a big hat on, and she's very fancy now, and she doesn't care about the homeless people. Ew, get those dirty rats away. And, like, that bothers him. I don't know. It was... What was I doing during that scene? Why here? Let me show you. <laughs> I won't play the clip, but here, let me find a picture of her really quick. She's, like, got super white makeup on and a giant hat. I have no memory of this. What? In the dark? Like that scene right there. Nope. What's that from? What? <laughs> Who are you? Is Were it a you... deleted scene or did I was just not watching? It's in the movie. It is? Will you look at that? Where did they come from? Hey, you! Beat it! Gio! Will you look at that? Look at those filthy little creatures. Give me Oh, Claire. 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 They're just children. Please, darling, don't tell me. I wasted 20 years of my life of pathetic little creatures like those. Finally, thank God, a friend of mine said to me, Scrape them off, Claire. You want to save somebody. Save yourself. I'm sorry, Claire. Thanks a lot, Lumpy. 
I remember the audio. I, I must have been making notes or something on my phone. How do you not remember that scene? I don't what know. I like her makeup. Huh? <laughs> I like her makeup, so, you know. You would. <laughs> Freak. Um, yeah, no. Okay. But yeah, but that's fine. That's not enough to move the needle on his soul. No. It's not stupid. at all. Right. So then we get to the part where I've always, like, thought of as, like, no, I like this movie. And that's, like, his big, like, come-to-Jesus moment on live. He interrupts the ending of the Scrooge production to, like, address the the crew and address the audience at home. And it's supposed to be this warm-hearted thing. And I like parts of it. I know. It's one of those where, like, while I'm watching it, I was enjoying it. But now I'm thinking back on it. I don't like it. I For some reason, I always thought it's longer than it is. Because I remember that going into the credits a little bit. And I thought it, like, went ran through, like, all the oh, credits. Oh, it does go a long it time, It goes though. far. It goes into the credits a little bit. But it does stop at some point. But, it, like, his big speech is not... I think what Roger Ebert says is it's true. It, it's not convincing. He, he It is does seem aggressive. To the point where, a couple things. He decides to go and kiss a woman. Yes, I did have big problems with this. He just goes and kisses her. Not He's supposed just, to be in love with Karen Allen. Not just a little kiss. We're no, talking, like... There's mistletoe, and it's like open-mouthed, groping type of kiss. <laughs> right, and she's into it, to be clear. Yes. But um, she... We're supposed to be convinced that he's in love with... Well, he was like, that was good, but not great, which is just like insulting to her, too. Rude. She's probably just like, fuck you, guy. Like, I'm, look at me. I'm a fucking model. You're just I'm some hot. asshole who's losing his mind on screen. She was probably thinking, I'm hot. And you're not. Yeah. She wants to hang with him. Better give him one shot. Yeah. Watch Teen Witch, guys. <laughs> Way better in this movie. Yeah. But then, yeah, so then there's that. And then when he starts to talk about Karen Allen, she, like, immediately when this happens, she's so excited she leaves the homeless shelter and runs to see him, which is apparently right around the corner. Um, yeah. But he talks about the Kama Sutra, like that gift, and, like, he's making jokes about, like, what position and stuff he can make. How is that a way to woo a girl, a, a, the lost love of your life back? To talk about the Kama Sutra? I don't know. Was that something you could get away with in the 80s? Because I don't think that works nowadays. Let's play a little clip of a speech. Okay. You got it. It is like an eight-minute scene. All right. That's long. sort of a miracle because it happens every christmas eve and if you waste that miracle you're gonna burn for it i know what i'm talking about you have to do something you have to take a chance you do have to get involved there are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen there are people that don't have enough to eat that there are people that are cold you can go out and say hello to these people you can take an old blanket out of the closet and say here you can make them a sandwich and say oh by the way here i get it now and if you if you give, then you then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's it's everybody who's got to have this miracle, and it can happen tonight for all of you. 
if you believe in this spirit thing, you, you the miracle will happen, and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life, and it can happen to you. I don't. I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. And uh, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's it's really. And it just goes on so, and on. And that that we started this four minutes into the scene. You played my favorite. I think you played the part that I like. Yeah, I like the fall la la because I always that's how I sing that song it's from true. that movie. Now I get it. Uh huh. <laughs> and then I like that he's deranged, but he it it feels number one. It feels off the cuff, like he literally made up the word. Like this is like an ad lib. It feels like that right off the bat here. He's stumbling. He's just like making shit up. I like all it. Over the and place. I like the sentiment, and I like that it's a little intense, and I like his performance in this, and I I think that's the thing I cling to is this two minutes of this hour and 40 minute movie that I like it um this watching it again I had the thought that it reminds me of the performance of uh, Gene Wilder in the end of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Mm -hmm. where he just like goes crazy and he's like yelling at the kid and he's like you didn't do this and you broke the rules and just like that that like crazy psycho energy yeah it really reminded me of that I think Gene Wilder would have been better in this movie. Ooh. Similar, like a better energy for this type of character, I think. But Ooh, I like that. Interesting, right? Interesting. But I do, so that's the part I do like. And so that's, every time we, we think about Scrooge, I think about that two minutes. But then there's six other minutes around that scene it's, where he's talking about the Kama Sutra. And it's, the, so, it's so long. Right. You're right in your memory. It's a long-ass scene. Right. And so... I don't know. I, I can you like a movie based on two minutes? I, I don't know if you can. I think that I getting think you can the... enjoy parts of the movie. Right? Is it worth going back and adding this to your Christmas collection of annual watches? Probably not. No, it's one of those where you can watch if it's on TV and you catch a part of it, like oh yeah, this movie, and then like I'll turn up. Let me change the channel. I'll come back to it in about forty five minutes. Maybe I'll see the end or whatever. Uh, you, uh, I don't know. It's a movie where you can kind of like jump in and out, or you can kind of like oh I like that part, or because it in bits and chunks, like yes. it can be funny and it can get a but there's no momentum and it's just so loud. It, what he said to the about the director and and when in your earlier in the episode. Is just how I felt about it. Louder, Everything is so louder, loud. Big, louder. big, 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 big. It's like we don't have jokes. We need to like throw in noise, essentially. And that is the one of the worst things you can do in comedy is just keep throwing things that aren't working at the screen. And that's what all this is. It's just like throw it more on there. Throw more on the pile. A lot of these high-concept comedies struggle with this because it it puts on too much of – it puts too much weight on something. I'm thinking of like uh, – some of these Eddie, later Eddie Murphy movies, like Adventures of Pluto Nash, it's like this big space movie. That's a, like it does. It forgets to like bring the comedy, like mm-hmm. put it on characters and like root it in something. When you put too much concept on something, you start piling on, and it's not working. You're just piling on more noise, and that's what this is. And if this movie really also just relies on Bill Murray too much. I know there's all these other characters, but not really. No, it's his show, and he's in the whole thing. But he even made the comment that it was like tough to film this because it was all him and he kind of for a first movie back after not acting for four years you're probably feeling a little rusty Mm -hmm. and then he's like it wasn't like ghostbusters where you gotta like share the scene it was like he was on set every day 
Right, yeah. I mean, he's the MVP. He seems exhausted. He's the MVP of Ghostbusters, but you have other elements there. Mm -hmm. You have other things working in its favor. You have a whole, you have an, it's a, it's an ensemble. Mm -hmm. This is him. And with some annoying fucking ghosts. I, I, I struggled apart. The thing that the thing I struggle with is says like, oh, it's such a good script. I was like, was it? Because it seemed like you had to like talk over the thing and like come up with stuff as you went. I mean, you know what I mean? Like maybe, and I know that he wanted to beef up the Karen Allen stuff, which I think is the right, I mean, that was the right move. Imagine mm-hmm. that this movie had no no character like her, where she's the only one who's... Alfred Woodard is kind of a nice character, but again, they just walk over her scenes in her family life. You don't get any real sense of anything, Mm-mm. other than that she doesn't have much money, and she's got a big family, and they get along well because they like each other. Mm-hmm. That, 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 is that enough? It's nothing. No, I don't... Uh... So, uh, before we we stop, before we... Uh, we we talked about this when we started, we're going to do this movie. Mm-hmm. Your comment was, is like... Ugh. Christmas Carol. I don't really like the Christmas Carol story. Is it because you've seen it too many times? Is that why? I think because I've not seen it done really well. Because there's good versions of this. Prove it. Well, there's like the uh, Patrick Stewart one people really like. What is that one? I don't remember that. It's like a traditional version of it. I've probably seen it. The George C. Scott version. You got the Muppet Christmas Carol. I love that one. So you like a Christmas girl, Michael Caine and Kermit the Frog? Yeah, come on. Yeah, I can't go wrong there. That's the pro- a great one. It's a it's a well worn tale. Let's just say that we've done it a lot. We've have we have a Daffy Duck version. We got a Mr. Magoo version. We've got okay. Question. Mm-hmm. Uh, never mind. It's a dumb question. I'm not going to ask it. I just answered it in my brain. There's a lot of uh, Hallmark movies that have done when this was, trope. When did Charles Dickens write this movie? Write this book? A long, Story. long time ago. Because in my mind, I was like, I wonder which came first, this or a wonder. It's a Wonderful Come Life. On. Clearly, It's a Wonderful Life stole it from the Charles Dickens and was smart to only just take a piece of it and show him future, the ghost of future. Or things that would happen without him. Yes, yeah. which is the fu- future. And what's uh, It's a Wonderful Life, that part of that movie is only... That's the thing that's always memorable. Memorable yes. about it's Wonderful Life. It's not. It's only. It's not a big stretch. Of that movie is not that. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's more thoughtful. I love It's a Wonderful Life. It's. Mm-hmm. A, I think it's a, a classic of. Like I'd of much rather watch that than this. Well, yeah, it's good. <laughs> like it's a good movie, and there are good versions of A Christmas Carol that the Monday that aren't one. This. Yeah, but even the I mean, yeah, okay, even the Jim okay. Carrey You're one pushing is back on me, but I said let's make it a Christmas Carol episode and let's watch three or four Christmas Carols and compare them and you were like, Mm-mm, I am not watching that many Christmas Carols. Cuz that's Carol too many movies. to do at one. You can't watch the same thing over and over again. That, that, that no, that was a terrible like I don't want to oh, do that. Oh, it's a terrible idea. You're such a jerk. No, it's just, it just seems exhausting to me. Like I, I Because don't... the Christmas Carol story is I don't want to watch the same version of uh, Jurassic mm, Park. Yeah, you do. I didn't like when they did it the fifth time, though, did I? <laughs> but you watched it and you bought it and you watched it Good with number one. Not so good with number two, but it was okay. Number three is fine. Number four, fine. Five is when it broke. Hey, guess what? Nobody asked you, Tyler, but things were telling me. I was going to say that, no, because listen, Home Alone. Home Alone 1. Yeah, love it. Home Alone 2. Yeah, all right. Mm, not great. Home Alone 3, new kid. Nope, I'm out. So what's your thoughts on Christmas Carol? Like, the Charles Dickens story. I mean, I I like that story. It's a it's a, a good story. That's actually a, a a book I've read long long time ago. I've read it in a long long time, but I like that story. It's a it's a classic story. But we've I mean we've used it right. We've done it a lot. There's been a lot of different versions. We have this. We have a CGI one with Jim Carrey. We have a Muppet one for God's sake. When you have this many versions of it, I mean. <laughs> 
you know, you can choose the one you like, watch that one, and kind of skip the other ones, really. This is like the dark 80s grimy version with Bill Murray trying to be funny, and it doesn't really work. It doesn't work. I would say that as far as uh, it holding up over time, I don't think the being made in the 80s held it back. It's watchable as a now movie. Yes, but it is also grimy in a way that is very 80s. Like, everything about it looks like 1988. Everything. Like, New York City is not the overhaul Times Square. It's kind of cartoony in that the, way. The the makeup work is, is, well, good makeup work. It just feels of that time. It just feels like we don't do... I mean, you know, hey, I, I give it credit for doing that versus I'd rather watch that than like some CGI version of yeah. uh, Marley or whatever. I think you're right now that you're pointing out the makeup. His hair. I mean, which is funny. <laughs> that's what was nominated for Bobcat Goldthwait in this movie uh, in the first place just speaks to 1988. Like everything about it is very much of its time. So to me, while you have the through line of Bill Murray, it doesn't, uh, I would much rather watch. I mean, I'd much rather watch a lot of other Bill Murray movies. I really like your idea of Gene Wilder in this movie. Right. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'd love to know more about, he's such a reclusive guy, Bill Murray, that you, you almost want to hear more than just the interviews he's done of just like, what lured you to this? Like, was it just like, I mean, obviously there was a lot of pressure. You didn't get along with the director. That's evident on the screen. It sounds like he had a bigger problem with the director than the director did with him. Well, yeah, Richard Donner is more of a, he gets along with Mel Gibson, for God's sake, so, yeah. you know, he clearly didn't have a problem. But, you know, I, it just seems like he, again, he's, he had... You have to get him, and I don't think there's a... He struggled with Harold Ramis on a classic movie. Like, yeah. they had a hard time on Good Groundhog Day. I think we know the directors that get Bill Murray. Well, right, and I... What's yeah. his name? Well, Wes Anderson uses him, but he doesn't use him a ton in each movie, but for whatever reason, they have figured out a... Rel- and maybe Bill... I think the Bill Murray that we know now in movies and his attitude is different than it was when yeah. he was on top of the world, essentially, when he was a huge com- comedy star, right? He's kind of grown into, like, that grand... He's grown, he's grown into, like, a grandfatherly role in, mm-hmm. in Hollywood now. Like he's legendary. He just goes around and inserts himself into weddings and all this other... It's a different person than it used to be, right? He's he's more... He's still that recluse kind of guy. He still can be kind of wishy-washy about appearing movies. He doesn't have an agent or whatever, and he gets a, a voicemail that he checks from time to time. You know, those aspects of him are more lovable than, like, the guy who always fought with everybody on movie sets in the 80s and 90s, you know? Do you have the book of bill murray i do yeah yeah it's a good book i'm look i love bill murray but he's an eccentric character and he's changed a lot over the years right we've talked a lot about on on this podcast that when things are different that makes them interesting and that's bill murray and i don't think he was used in the different way that he is right in this movie plus we have him still which is great i mean a lot of these guys who are immense comedic talents have burned out overdosed on drugs i mean we have him so i'd rather him being pissed off at Richard Donner and getting like more. <laughs> so if you get a few more stinkers like this, because again, I, I don't want to, it's hard with these Christmas movies because I know that there are people out there that really like Scrooge and they think it is. There's so up. many fun scenes in it. Yeah, there are when he's like, wants to staple some antlers on a mouse. That's funny. Super funny. Yeah. When he's doing his clip at the beginning of his promo, mm-hmm. that is funny. And I think if you like, uh, if you're not a person that likes the sentiment of Christmas, this feels like a little bit of a pushback. It's like a bad Santa of its time, a little bit, in terms of yeah. 
not like relying on the tropes that we like it like you know it's an anti-christmas movie but if you're gonna do that you might as well just watch die hard if you're just gonna like technically do a christmas movie that's not a christmas movie mm-hmm. which i think look die hard's a classic but to call it a christmas movie is kind of like it's not a christmas I mean, it's set at christmas but that's that's a whole other debate <laughs> <laughs> i love die hard but i mean to call it a christmas movie is weird it's a weird thing to say okay was there anything else that we wanted to talk about scrooge that we forgot i don't know what do we talk about? The antlers on the mouse. Mm-hmm. The mullet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the makeup people. Mm-hmm. Bobcat Goldway trying to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. I think we got it. I think we got it? Yeah, we're good. So, hey, if Scrooge is one of your classic favorites, feel free to leave a comment um, on our Facebook page and let us know because more power to you. If you uh, totally enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. That's a place on Apple where you leave reviews for podcasts. Apparently, it's the only place you can leave reviews because that's all anybody asks for is reviews on iTunes. It's weird to me. We're on Twitter. Tyler's been working it hard on Twitter. He's learning <laughs> what Twitter is as an old millennial, which is difficult for him. Working hard in that I have posted like two things mm-hmm. and like liked or reshared like maybe one other thing. Yeah. It was a lot of work. <laughs> Listen, it's really exhausted. hard being an old millennial. Um, one of my coworkers was like, hey, I started listening to your podcast, but uh, the other episodes won't play. Okay, she's she's also an old millennial. So she's like, can you look at my phone and <laughs> see if you can get it to work? Uh-huh. And so I'm looking at her phone. I don't know why it won't play the episodes. She's clearly subscribed, but it just won't. It just doesn't open them. She has an iPhone. I told her when she figures it out, let us know. We'll post that for other old millennials who can't figure their technology out. Sounds like iTunes is trying to screw us is what I'm hearing. They know that we've got the hot sauce over here and they're trying to sequester, not sequester, but uh, stifle us. So if you like this podcast and you stumbled on us on our website, you can actually get a podcast app on your phone. Yeah. Subscribe. You just go, you just search for us, Old Millennials Remember Movies. Subscribe and then new episodes will show up on your phone. If you have trouble with this, ask a real millennial. Right. Not a fellow old millennial. And if you're older than an old millennial, then I don't know what to tell you because I, but there are people that are a little bit older than us that they don't even know what podcasts are. So, yep. and I'm not trying to insult them. I totally get it. I'm more, I relate more to them than I relate to the, uh, the, the other generation. Yes. Um, but like shout out to my mom who figured it out. So she's got more props than, uh, my old millennial friend, Lisa. So we got your mom, <laughs> we got your mom listening and, uh, yeah. All right. We got, we got lots of listeners. So thanks for listening. Um, I'm your host, Angela Yoshiko here with Tyler Wilson and, uh, we will talk to you another movie. Sounds what, good. Did I forget something? No, you're doing good. Oh, you gave me a face. Well, it's going to keep the holiday train growing next episode. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned for our next episode of You'll Find Out. There you go. Talk at you another movie. Bye.